You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. Britain's foreign office sustained a cyber attack last month. The details are secret. Poland stands up a cyber defense force as Europe and North America raise their level of cyber readiness. Negotiations over the Russian pressure on Ukraine are likely to be protracted. Threats to multi-cloud environments, Patch Tuesday notes. Dinah Davis from Arctic Wolf on keeping kids safe online. Carol Terrio examines Mozilla's Privacy Not Included campaign. And RazzleCon rocks the mic. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, February 9th, 2022. The Times reports that Britain's Foreign Office sustained a cyber attack last month. Details are publicly unknown because they're being considered a matter of official secrecy, but it is known that the attack was serious enough to warrant giving BAE Systems Applied Intelligence a contract for almost £470,000 to help with response and remediation. The contract did not go through the normal competitive process due to the urgency and criticality of the work. Official sources offer no attribution, But the Times indulges some a priori speculation by pointing to recent warnings about Russian cyber threats. The AP reports that Poland has appointed Brigadier General Karol Molenda to lead the country's new cyber defense force. Defense Minister Mariusz Blazak framed the new command as a defensive measure taken in recognition of, especially, cyber threats from Russia. Quote, We are perfectly aware that in the 21st century, cyber attacks have become one of the tools of aggressive politics, also used by our neighbor. For that reason, these capabilities are of fundamental key nature to Poland's armed forces. Reuters cites unnamed sources who say that the European Central Bank has raised its level of alert for cyber attack and has shifted its focus from the common, financially-motivated cybercrime to the prospect of state-directed attacks originating from Russia. The ECB is said to have queried banks about their readiness to withstand such attacks, and that the individual banks are holding drills to increase their own state of readiness. The measures seem driven more by prudential considerations concerning the continuing Russian threat to Ukraine and by Russia's record of offensive action in cyberspace, than they are by specific intelligence of any particular imminent threat. The U.S. has been unusually forthcoming with intelligence it's collected on Russian cyber capabilities and operations. 
The revelations are generally regarded as having undeniable utility as influence operations, but Politico says that some in the U.S. intelligence community think that too much may have been shared. There's also some concern that the releases may be unduly alarmist, especially when taken collectively and without other context. Politico quotes a former CIA officer, quote, I am concerned about the long-term credibility of our intelligence with all of these select declassifications. If it turns out to be wrong or partially wrong, it undermines how much our partners trust the info we give them, or frankly, how much the public trusts it, end quote. Other observers think that simple deterrence is likely to restrain Russia from escalating its hybrid war in cyberspace. An op-ed in The Telegraph, for example, argues that Russia understands British and U.S. offensive cyber capabilities and that its calculus will tell them that an expanded cyber war is one Moscow is unlikely to win. Task and Purpose reviews potential cyber threats from Russia and concludes that none of them amount to shock and awe. It reviews five major cyber campaigns Russia has mounted against Ukraine, widely regarded as a testing ground as well as a theater of operations, since 2014. Election interference in 2014, power grid sabotage in 2015, and again in 2016, NotPetya economic disruption in 2017, and Bad Rabbit economic disruption in 2017. They rate the strategic effects of all but NotPetya as negligible. NotPetya's effect it rates as unknown. These are, of course, all actual attacks. There are other potential threats, especially large-scale and destructive attacks against power grids, whose consequences could be far more devastating than these. But the essay's account of the use of cyber attack as tactical adjuncts to military operations is interesting. The New York Times reviews the current state of multilateral negotiations and sees, if not stalemate, at least stasis, Its analysis foresees a drawn-out and dangerous diplomatic slog toward a difficult settlement. Russia has staged more general-purpose forces near Ukraine, notably moving amphibious assault ships from the Mediterranean and toward Ukraine's Black Sea coast, while diplomatic efforts to reduce tension continue. Belarus continues to emerge as an important staging point for Russian conventional forces, No fresh, large-scale cyber activity, however, is being reported. The Guardian reports that French President Macron said Russia's President Putin gave him a personal assurance that Russia wouldn't be the one to escalate the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. President Macron communicated that assurance to his Ukrainian counterpart, President Zelensky, during talks yesterday in Kiev. Zelensky, who has taken pains to downplay the imminence of Russian invasion while preparing for the worst, was politely skeptical, saying, I do not really trust words. I believe that every politician can be transparent by taking concrete steps. Official Russian comment on French claims that Moscow had agreed not to undertake any new military initiatives was, however, dismissive. Spokesman Dmitry Peskov said, quote, This is wrong in its essence. Moscow and Paris couldn't do any deals. It's simply impossible. France is a leading country in the EU, France is a member of NATO, but Paris is not the leader there. In this bloc, a very different country is in charge. So what deals can we talk about? End quote. Researchers at security firm VMware this morning issued a report on threats to Linux-based multi-cloud environments. 
It finds that ransomware is hitting Linux host images used for workloads in virtualized environments, that most cryptojacking uses XMRig-related libraries, and that most users of Cobalt Strike are using it for criminal purposes. Yesterday was Patch Tuesday, and Microsoft fixed 48 problems, including issues with Windows Kernel, Hyper-V, Microsoft Outlook and Office, Azure Data Explorer, and Microsoft SharePoint. In some respects, it was a relatively light patch Tuesday, even by the unexacting standards of February, traditionally a month whose patch Tuesdays have been comparatively unexacting. Microsoft, which we note in disclosure is a CyberWire partner, addressed one zero-day, a kernel privilege escalation vulnerability, but neither this nor the 47 other problems fixed were rated critical. ThreatPost calls the absence of any critical vulnerabilities in the list of patches unheard of, and indulges an effusive Oh Blessed Day in its review of Redmond's latest Patch Tuesday. But of course, constrain the joy to moderate levels and don't get cocky, kid. Even merely important vulnerabilities should be fixed. And CISA yesterday also issued two more industrial control system advisories, both for Mitsubishi Electric products. And finally, hey everybody, did you know that one half of the couple arrested this week on charges of conspiracy to commit money laundering in the Bitfinex caper was not only a CEO, but a writer, an economist, a journalist, an influencer, an artist, a rapper, and a motivational speaker? She is, you know, although the future course of her career is now uncertain. We're talking, of course, about Heather R. Morgan, snuffled up earlier this week by the FBI and the Treasury Department. She actually was a contributor to Forbes between 2017 and 2021, now listed as former contributor, where she published insufferably self-referential, fizzy, knowing puff pieces about minor, trivially transgressive celebrities. She also sometimes wrote about entrepreneurship, negotiation, and security, and of course, above all, about her very own self— and her mad business skills. You can still find those online. What we can't find online anymore are Ms. Morgan's rap videos, but they were there as recently as yesterday. They've now been taken private on YouTube for reasons we can only speculate about. Don't want to prejudice a potential jury pool? Who knows? Anywho, we wouldn't want to have linked to them anyway because they're kind of potty-mouthed and we're a family show, but we did listen and even watch. Others did too, but apparently most of them only paid attention, Reuters says, after the indictment was announced. Reuters is kind of crabby about the quality of Miss Morgan's rhymes, but to tell the truth, they were kind of painful. Quote, you don't even know me. Start a company at 23, said one. She also strove for some gangsta swagger like, got no clue what I'm about? Could gut you like a trout. Of such things are influencers made. She called herself in her videos the Crocodile of Wall Street and used the nom de rap Razzlecon. The Razzlecon website is still up if you're curious. We've been there and the clue we get about what she's about is probably up to no good. We've been pondering without any maundering. Maybe that was laundering. Allegedly. Allegedly. 
Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. The Mozilla Foundation recently created a campaign they're calling Privacy Not Included. Our UK correspondent Carol Terrio took a closer look, and she files this report. If you read the tech press, uh, you will regularly see information from tech firms. Maybe it's research from a survey they did, or it's a brand new product or service they've launched. And Let's be honest, they're not always riveting or, more importantly, useful. But I recently saw a campaign called Privacy Not Included, and it's run by the Mozilla Foundation, the creators of Firefox, a browser that has been championing its privacy features. So our friends at Mozilla have created an IoT creepometer, for lack of a better term. Effectively, it's like a consumer report for its connectivity and privacy features. And it's not exhaustive, but they certainly have done a great stab at covering all the products that people might own. So they have smart home tech, smart toys and games, smart entertainment, wearables, health and exercise, pets, video calling apps, and dating apps. Okay, let's take a look at one. Let's say it's a brand new year and I want to get fit and I want to purchase a rower. (laughs) And let's say I lost my mind and wanted a smart rower. Let's go see if the Mozilla Foundation's Privacy Not Included campaign has a rower listed. Woot, they do. Okay. So they have the Nordic track rower here. And I also see an exclamation mark with an asterisk saying privacy not included. 
very high up in the article. They say Nordic Tracks privacy policy is an exercise in awful. They say they can sell your data. They can call or text your phone number. Even if you are on a do not call list, they may get data from data brokers and use it to know more about you in order to more effectively target you in their ads. Mozilla go on to say that if you buy a Nordic Track exercise machine and sign up for their iFit app for workouts, expect your data to be collected, used to target you with all kinds of ads. Your phone number is now fair game for marketing texts or phone calls from them, and your data is possibly being sold to third parties. Oof. And this is just one of the hundreds of products that they've reviewed. When I say reviewed, what I think is going on here as someone has been reading the privacy statements associated with each of these products, because that is where a company has to list what it's going to do with your data. But hey, if that's not your bag, you can now go to this privacy not included campaign and check out a product. And if one's not listed, they say, hey, just send it to us and we'll take a look. The advantage here is that Mozilla is writing the information in very plain language so that all of us can understand and we're not bamboozled by legalese. I'm hoping that we will see more tech campaigns like this in 2022. This was Carol Terrio for The Cyberwire. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And I am pleased to be joined once again by Dinah Davis. She is the VP of R&D Operations at Arctic Wolf and also the founder of Code Like a Girl. Dinah, always great to have you back. Thank you. You know, uh, you and I are both parents. And uh, as such, I think, uh, oh gosh, we spend a certain amount of time thinking about what our kids are up to online and trying to keep them safe. I I just want to touch base with you. What sort of things uh, are in your day-to-day of... uh, keeping the little ones out of trouble. Yeah. So I think it changes as they age a little bit, right? First thing would be, you know, if you're a parent of smaller children, and since we just went through Christmas, you may have gotten them some pretty cool toys. If any Mm -hmm. of those are connected to the internet, you definitely want to secure them, right? So Do your research, read those privacy policy. How will the manufacturer use that data? Can you delete the data? Can you secure the device? Can you connect it to a a guest network? Make sure if there's passwords, you change the default settings um, or add a password if you can, right? And don't share any identifying information. And if there's, you know, Wi-Fi connected, Bluetooth cameras, microphones, and the toys not being used, consider completely shutting it off. 
That way it can't mm. listen in the background, right? Mm, mm-hmm. That's for the little ones. But, you know, I have one that's getting a little older, entering her entering her teen years, and yours are also a little yeah. bit older than yeah. that. You know, make sure, you know, they are never using their real names on gaming systems. Right. So they should have, they should have a, a, you know, a handle or something. My daughter has a couple handles she likes to use all the time. And I say, never use your real name. Um, you don't know who you're talking to. Make sure they know that people can pretend to be other things online right. and never meet up with anyone that is, you know, talking to you or try and connect with them separately. Um, and know know who your children's online friends are. Easier when they're a little younger, harder when they're in their late teens. I mean, we're gonna that's yeah. you have to just teach them a little bit on how to how to behave online, right? Try to keep them off social media as long as possible. <laughs> that's like <laughs> you know, like as long as possible right. for so yeah. many reasons. So many reasons. Yeah. If you can't, right? Like you know, at some point, it, it's... Let's say, when you can't. Yeah, let's say that, yes, because there, there will be that day for me, too. Absolutely. Right. When you can't, um, you know, you should join all the social networks they're on. You should friend them as much as they may not want that so that you can, <laughs> you know, at least see what's going on and be aware Make sure they know how to report inappropriate behavior and offensive posts on any social network they're on. Um, Make sure they know how to block someone and when they should do that and why. And tell them to keep some information private, right? And then also always teach your kids to never share their location. And when you go into these apps, make sure and go and check with them and show them how to set it up. So that the location tracking is not on or shared whenever they post, right? Those are big things that a lot of the social networks have. Finally, I go to my story where, you know, my my child was, I think she was uh, maybe six or seven. And she uh, was able to iMessage with one friend and her family. Mm. Mm-hmm. And she sent a picture to her friend very innocently. And it kind of showed some stuff it shouldn't have showed. And the mom messaged me and went, she just sent this. And I'm like, what? And so <laughs> like, it was so innocent. It was such an innocent thing that she did. Right. And so I explained to her, I said, look, anything you send to one friend or post on any any social media or anywhere on the internet – Imagine that one thing, whether it's a sentence, a picture, anything. Imagine that thing blown up as a 10-foot poster in your classroom. If Hmm. you're not okay with that poster being up in your classroom, you can't share whatever that is online. Because Hmm. it doesn't matter even if you just send it to one friend and you trust them. You don't know if somebody else gets their phone, if they all of a sudden you have a fight and then they're going to share something else. So anything you share online should be absolutely okay being broadcast to the entire school as a large poster and you standing right beside the poster. And that that seemed to be pretty effective. And I think it actually works (laughs) for like, but it works for kids at like so many ages, right? Because They don't, especially when they're younger, they don't understand what it means to be on the internet everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. They don't don't get that concept, right? But they know what it is to have everyone in your class know something about you that you didn't want to know. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. No, that's a that's a really uh, that's an effective message. I think I, I like that a lot. All right. Well, Dinah Davis, thanks for joining us. You bet. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Eliana White, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. here. At N2K CyberWire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire.